So we are doing uh, our series this month is a call to prayer. And we started that a couple Sundays ago. Uh, if you were with us uh, on Abide on Thursday night before um, our Community Life Sunday, we had out this, these prayer stations. And these are based off of the Lord's Prayer. And uh, each station is a part of the Lord's Prayer. And we did that again last Sunday morning for those of you that joined us of just an opportunity for us as a community to pray together, to practice praying together, to walk through the Lord's Prayer. And in a few minutes, we're gonna, we're gonna continue to do that. And it's a practice. Prayer is a practice. Prayer is not something that you just get it and go, oh yeah, and then I started praying for six hours a day. It was incredible. What happened? I don't know, I was walking along and I just, it just had a revelation and I became a prayer. Like prayer is practice. And so we're, as a community, we are committing together during this month to practice persistent prayer. As I grew up, Oh, no, before I jump into my stories, we are redigging wells of prayer in our lives, home, and church. As I prayed for this series or this, this series of Sundays and what we're doing, I believe this. I believe that we are redigging wells of prayer in our lives, in our homes, and in our church. And if this is only something that is really a neat little series that we talked about on Sunday, then forget about it. I don't even know why we do any of what we do. If it's just, oh, that was a nice teaching series. Like this has to be stuff that we get a hold of and we bring it into our lives and bring it into our families. And we become a praying church, not because we pray when we come to church, but because we pray when we're not at church and it can't help but happen when we get together that we would be a praying church because we're praying individuals and we're praying in our homes and we are praying families. And I believe that in 2024, for us to face the storm that is on the horizon, that does want to rip us apart, that does want to point us at each other and make enemies out of everyone around us this year, that does want to turn us into feeling fractured and fragmented and afraid. We are not going to get through it by some cool sermon series. We're not going to get through it by some cool slogan. We are going to get through this if we commit now to be people of prayer. Prayer will lead us through this upcoming year, 2024. And I, you guys know, Ryan's the furthest from a doomsday, right? I'm like the optimist of everything's getting better. No, it's terrible. I was like, give it a minute. It'll get better. No, it's the worst. Check, check back with me in five years. And it's everything is getting better. And you can argue with me later. I know this is the one that people just love to argue with me about. But the point, I don't even know what my point is now. I, I totally lost my point. <laughs> I got so excited, I just preached an entire sermon in my head that was like an hour and a half long. Um, I don't know what I was going to say. Prayer. We got to pray. How about that? Uh, this is, I blame this on my wife. Um, <laughs> the reason is, um, she, she texted me the other day and um, I had said offhandedly, did I already tell this story? Offhandedly, I made a mistake of saying something out loud. Um, and it was this. I'm thinking about maybe switching to decaf. Um, yeah, why would I say that out loud? So then, like a week later, she texted me and she was like, oh, by the way, four days ago, I switched you to decaf. So... So when I start forgetting my lines in the middle of a message, it's because I don't have caffeine, right? Oh, okay, back. It's, oh, it's right here in the notes, y'all. It's here. 
first and foremost, that we would be a people formed by prayer as we head into 2024, no matter what comes. And I know that I'm not a doomsdayer, and I know that I am generally extremely optimistic, but I do want to say that as I am praying for and looking forward as I lead this community, as we lead this community, one of the things that we are to do is to pray and to, and to ask the Lord, what is ahead? And, and I believe that 2024 is going to be one of the most challenging years that we've ever faced as a as a people. And I don't mean that's going to be like really hard. I don't even know if that means there's going to be super hard things that happen. I believe these places where we have been fractured and fragmented and we are just now coming, we're, we're coming learning to step back into community after such a difficult season that those same places where the enemy has roots and footholds, he's going to come back for those places and he's going to try as hard as ever to fracture us and to fragment us and to turn us on each other away from Jesus and away from the very thing that can make a difference in the culture and the world around us, which is prayer. And so we have to be on our guard in persistent prayer to be able to walk through what 2024 is going to bring to us. And I have joked, oh, I don't know if I can make it through another, um, Another election year as a pastor. I, I, I've, I've actually said those words from the front in, in sometimes joking and sometimes very serious. And the Lord has had to talk with me deeply about that. And the thing is, is like, is your anchor strong enough, son? And like, I think so. And like, okay, so if you're really saying, I don't think I can make it through 2024, then let me give you wisdom and direction. Don't just hold on and hope that you come out the other side. Attack this year with purpose, with spiritual vigor, with intentionality and with vision. Don't just let it happen to you. Say, this is happening and we are ready for it. We are prepared for it. And so how do we prepare for what I feel is going to be an extremely challenging year? It is to be, make sure that we are people of prayer. And in easy times, you can let your prayer life slip. I won't ask for a show of hands on that one. But when things are pretty easy, uh, you know, one of the things we stop doing is spiritual disciplines. And we're like, oh, good. I'm glad I got it figured out. I got this dialed. And then when things are hard or when you are hit and your humility is returned to a place that it should be in your life, you realize I cannot do this on my own. I have to pray. I have to pray. I have to seek his face. I have to be with him throughout everything that I'm going through, that we would pray first, that we would pray often, but not from a reaction of fear. Because if, our, if the catalyst for our prayer is fear and anxiety, then all we are going to do is pray prayers of fear and anxiety. The catalyst, if we're gonna be people who are always in prayer, it has to be presence-driven prayer, that we are driven in prayer by his presence and by a desire of, or by connection and intimacy with him. The pursuit and the result of prayer is not something changing or him doing something for us. The result and the pursuit of prayer is Jesus. Intimacy with Jesus is why we pray first and foremost. He is the reward for life spent on our knees. He is the reward for a life spent in prayer. It's not just the things that he will do for us. It is who he is to us that we get to learn and discover in prayer. I had a grandma, Grandma Joy. Some of you may have known Grandma Joy. And I want to tell her story because um, it's one of my favorite stories about prayer. She prayed all the time. She prayed all the time. And uh, my dad's mom. And, um, 
And so when I was younger, I thought it was funny. It was sort of silly, but I thought it was funny because I would be like, my brother and I, we'd be at a Thanksgiving dinner or something and we'd be like, hey, Grandma Joy, why don't we have Grandma Joy pray for the, for the meal, right? Let's have Grandma Joy pray for the meal. And, uh, and so she, Grandma Joy would be like, oh, okay, I'll pray for the meal. And, uh, and then she would try to pray. And she would just start weeping. And I wasn't laughing at her for weeping. Come on, guys, I'm not a jerk. I'm, Drew's like, you're the worst. I really am. Especially when I was with my brother. He, he, his, uh, his. And this thing that I thought was, you know, we just were like, oh, that's so amazing. Like, look at that. Now, now that I look back on it, this is one of my favorite things about my grandma. She could not say Jesus without weeping. Because she had such a life of prayer that when she even began to enter into that prayer realm, it was as if Jesus was sitting at the table with her and her kids and her grandkids and her stories and her, 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 the mysteries of her faith and the asked questions and the unanswered questions and all of it was there. And in that moment, it's just, she just could not pray without being deeply aware of the presence of Jesus. And so what, when I was younger, it used to be something that was kind of cute about our family. Now is something that I long for, that I strive for, not in the unhealthy striving, but in the healthy striving, that I want of my life is that when someone says, Ryan, would you pray? And I have a moment and I just say, Jesus, that the reality of the life that I have lived with him and the ups and the downs and the story and the pains and the victories, but more than any of those, just the reality of his presence that I couldn't pray without weeping because of Jesus. That's what I want. And now sometimes I ask my dad to pray for dinner. You know why? Because he does the same thing and it's awesome. <laughs> Sorry, dad. I love it and I want that. And you get there by having a story with Jesus and walking with him for years and years and years. I want to be like Grandma Joy. See, when I was young, I was taught to pray. Um, and then when I was being discipled, I was actually taught like a, a temple or tabernacle model of prayer. I don't know if any of you are familiar with this. Uh, a tabernacle model of prayer. You go through the steps, you enter the gate, which is Jesus. You, you're, you're trying to get into that holy of holies. And so you work through the outer court with confession and repentance and you go into the holy place to be washed clean and to pray the word. And then as you walk through these steps, you, 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 you become um, ready, I guess, to step into the holy of holies and experience his presence. And, and, and it's, it's, I'm not saying that's the wrong way to learn how to do it. In fact, I'm deeply appreciative that I was taught this way of prayer because the center goal of this prayer life was the presence of God in the holy of holies that I would say, God, if there's anything in my heart that I would lay it down before you, oh, that I would stand in the work of Jesus and I would be forgiven and made new in those places and oh, that I would be washed clean and made ready to encounter your presence. And certainly I was at a time in my life where there was a lot of maybe the unhealthy striving. And so there were times when I would be in prayer for a long time because I'm like, I got to get into the Holy of Holies. I don't even know how to quantify it or what it was, but I was like, God, I just am not ready to stop until I experience your presence. And I can look back at that 
and go, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. All I know is that it was a beautiful heart of a young man that just said, I will pray until I see your face. And I don't want prayer to become some kind of performance thing for us. I don't want it to be some kind of thing where we strive and strive and strive in prayer. But I would love for us to be a people who pray with that sort of tenacity that say, I want you, God. I just want you. See, prayer like that, it formed me into a vessel for his presence. Prayer doesn't earn anything. I wasn't taught to earn my way into his presence by jumping through prayer hoops. And I know that some of you have probably had that experience in your religious lives. And, and, I, and, and if that is your story, I, I want to release you from that because that's not God's heart for you. To be praying in a way that we feel like we have to work it as a mechanism to get something out that we want or to, to be approved to step into his presence. That's not the heart of prayer. But I was taught that prayer accesses what Jesus' life and his blood were poured out and established for us. That when we step through the gate of Jesus and we walk into that holy of holies, that we get to be face to face with him, engulfed in his presence, surrounded by the spirit of the living God. In Exodus 33, the Israelites are journeying and Moses is their spiritual leader and he set up a tent in Exodus 33, 11. He set up this tent where people could go and they could meet with God. And it said when Moses would go to this tent that the pillar would come down or the fire would come down and would guard the entrance of the tent and the people would stand out in front of their own tents and they would watch this physical manifestation of the presence of God as Moses was in that tent praying. And it said this, inside the tent of meeting, is what they called it, the tent of meeting. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And you might hear that and go, oh, so that's, oh, right, right. Like we're gonna go be with God face to face. The audacity to think that we could have access to God face to face. Yeah, Absolutely. And maybe it's not audacity, maybe it's simply humility to understand that the completed work of Jesus has made a way where there was absolutely no way for us to know that we can enter into the presence of God and we can be face to face with him in prayer, talking to him as a friend. That wasn't just for Moses, that was a show of how we are to be praying today in light of Jesus's work. I want that for all of us. I want that for this church. I want us to commit together to dig a well of personal and corporate prayer where face-to-face -face is the reality that we would be transformed and renewed and made whole as we are formed in his image through prayer. My time's up. That went fast. Does anyone else feel like that went fast? No, slow? Okay. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 3.16. It's not a message that Ryan preaches unless this verse gets in here somewhere. But whenever, any, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, that veil of unbelief. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, 
who is the Spirit. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the glory of the Lord are being transformed into his image. How does that take place if not through prayer? How are we to be transformed if we do not spend time in a tent of meeting face to face in our lives with God? Here's the part of the message you've been waiting for. So I thought I would just come right out and give it to you. Ready? You can throw that quote up there. Why are Christians so often defeated? Because they pray so little. We may be assured of this. The secret of all failure is our failure in secret prayer. Surely there is nothing so absolutely astonishing as a practically prayerless Christian. That's from a book that I have been reading throughout my life called The Kneeling Christian. And it was when I got the book, it was by an unknown author. And then I Googled it and I found out who it was. It's Albert Ernest Richardson. I don't know who that is, but he was a priest and a saint and he wrote this book on prayer. And I say, you guys are all waiting for this because if I'm gonna teach about money, everybody's gonna sit there and be like, all right, when's it coming? Hit me with it. Hit me with the guilt trip, right? If I'm gonna teach about prayer, you're like, okay, when's it coming? He's gonna hit me with, you're not praying enough. So I wanted to put this out here for you. Why are Christians so often defeated? Because they pray so little. We may be assured of this. The secret of all failure is our failure in secret prayer. And surely there is nothing so absolutely astonishing as a practically prayerless Christian. Do you feel attacked by that quote? Because I do a little bit. <laughs> Life has a way of pulling us out of the tent of meeting. That prayer place that we have in our lives. All of us, every single one of us in this room, get pulled out of that tent of meeting. The busyness of the daily, the pain, the doubt, the mundane, the lowering of expectations, the lowering of expectancy over the years, over the days, over the months, whatever it is, life has a way of pulling us out of the tent of meeting and we stop praying or we pray less and less and less. And what I want us to have, as I have said before, is I want to rekindle the flame of prayer in your life and in my life or help you start one if it isn't there. But let it be lit through a desire for him, not a desire to perform a certain amount of prayer or to perform a religious activity. Make it a desire for him, not a desire to please him that drives us to prayer. In the kneeling Christian, he follows up this little bit of a rebuke with another quote that I want to make sure that you hear. And this is what he followed it up with. He said, criticize who dares criticize another. When we look back upon the past and remember how much prayerlessness there has been in one's own life, words of criticism of others wither away on our lips. We can feel criticized Oh man, I'm, they're attacking me for not praying enough. Or we can just look and be like, how could I ever criticize someone else when I do look back at my life and go, I haven't been praying. I haven't been praying enough. I haven't been praying here. I haven't been praying here. I haven't led my life in prayer. And so we are not here to criticize or to condemn or to put down or tell you, you got to jump through a certain hoop. 
Because when I look back over my own life, the seasons where prayer was a priority were the seasons that I grew and exhibited the fruit of the Spirit and the authority of Jesus. I am kinder, I am gentler, I am less harassed by worry and anxiety. And put shortly, I am more like my Savior Jesus when I have prayer at the center of my life. And when I look back at seasons where prayer was not the center of my life and I was busy, even if I was busy for him, I look back at those seasons and say, I might have actually accomplished more, but it also cost me more because the cost of doing things for God without a prayerful life is that we live out of our own strength and purpose. And before long, the anxiety and the busyness and the unkindness and the abrasiveness and the unforgiveness and the I want it my way and the pride and the stiff nakedness. Can I say nakedness in church? All of those things are the price that I pay and that people around me pay when prayer, seeking his face as a friend in his presence is not at the center of all that I do. So we are not here to criticize. In my life, the treasure of prayer is Jesus. It's connection, it's intimacy, it's trust, it's knowledge. And the cost of prayerlessness is worry and self-sufficiency and pride and busyness and doubt and powerlessness. And the less I pray, the more I do out of my own strength. And I can trick myself to believe that I am in power when I am really just operating out of weakness. That is not what God wants for me and it's not what God wants for you. And I would wager that you would say the same. Why should we pray? We are taught, we are encouraged, we are directed, we are instructed, and we are expected as followers of Jesus to be people who pray persistently. Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And when he says, when Paul says, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, he means continue to devote yourself to prayer or in other translations and said another way, be persistent in prayer. Prayer in scripture, prayer in following Jesus is not optional. Prayer is crucial to following and practicing the ways of Jesus. What else can I say to convince you this morning to answer this renewed call to prayer? What else can I say this morning to convince you to dig a well of prayer in your life? How about I bring out the hammer? You ready for this one? You're all ready for this one too. This is a good one. Jesus prayed. Oh, There's 19 different times in the New Testament that it tells us of Jesus going away to pray, praying for someone, praying with children. Obviously, Jesus prayed. It says in Luke 5, 16 and Luke 6, 12 that he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. (laughs) In a culture where we are afraid of nothing, almost nothing more than being lonely, it's interesting that Jesus would seek those places out for prayer. And it came to pass in those days that he went out to a mountain to pray and he continued all night in prayer to God. Jesus prayed. And if Jesus, if his life was characterized by both public and private prayer, if Jesus needed prayer, obviously to remain connected to the Father, then we also should be people of prayer. 
And some may ask just theologically, if Jesus Christ is God, why would God pray? Isn't there a contradiction here? When Jesus ministered on earth, he did everything in total dependence on the Father, fully God and fully man. And Jesus said in 519, very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus' prayer life was to go to the Father, see the Father, be with the Father, hear what the Father's heart was, hear what the Father was saying, see what the Father was doing, and then walk in his life in accordance with that and do what the Father was doing and saying what the Father was saying. Jesus was dependent upon prayer to meet with the Father and capture the Father's face and the Father's heart and the Father's presence so that he could pour that out in everything that he was doing. If Jesus lived by faith and he depended on prayer during his life and ministry on earth, that is how we are to live as well. And one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to, them, to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive anyone who has sinned against us and lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from the evil one. His disciples saw him always praying. His disciples saw him always dependent upon his connection and intimacy with the Father. And so they asked him, Jesus, teach us to pray. And this is the simple, powerful prayer that Jesus taught them. The thing I love about this prayer, though, is that it's actually the opposite of the tabernacle prayer that I said I grew up with, where you would work your way to the presence of God. Jesus started the prayer with this, in the presence of the Father, you are worshiped, you are holy. He started with presence and worked his way out into the practical. And I believe that if we are to be people of prayer, that we would learn to start at that center place of being face-to-face -face with the Father, that his glory would be transforming and forming us to hold his presence, that we would walk that out into every part of our life. So here's what I want to do. I want to practice prayer with you guys. So we have the time remaining we have stations set up around the room and these are based on the Lord's prayer. And so each station is a part of that prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. And each one of those has paper at it that can walk you through it and, and show you what the prayer response would be. So as you work your way around, that you would go to each station, you would take some time and you would work through that, that activation and you would write a prayer and you would put it on the prayer board. It is simply a practice to say, this is how we are learning to pray. And then our commitment together as a community is that we would, once a day, that we would pray through the Lord's Prayer together. Along with these prompts that are on the tables, I just made this simple walkthrough of it. And all it is, is this, it's the same things that are on there. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And each one of these has steps for us to pray through. And if we would just practice praying, 
this prayer together. There's power in praying in unity. There's power in praying in consistency, not because of the action, but because of who we are seeking and what is taking place within that relationship as we learn to pray. Now, some of us are like, I pray all the time, which is awesome, and I love that. Um, We'll talk more about this for my own life. I prayed a lot more. And then as, as through my brother's death and, and, and things that took place, my faith just got so deeply shaken that I stopped praying. And I could do a lot of things, but I didn't want to come to him in that way. It was hard to ask for something from him. So prayer got dimmed down to just an asking. There's a long journey and a story to all of that of how the Lord brought me back out of that. But you might be here this morning and you're like, I pray all the time. You're, that's amazing. Then keep praying. Maybe you don't need these prompts. If you were like, you, like me, where you found yourself in that place of like, I have got to redig this well in my life, then this is an action together as a community that I'm inviting you into that I believe will help you move forward in that. And so... Here's what we're going to do. And, and if you're like, again, um, okay, Ryan, what are you doing? You're asking me to pray for like an hour a day, two hours a day. What do you want to do? I'm like, if, you, if you're not praying, and it's not, an, it's not a, um, a behavior that is a pattern in your life, then, then taking, setting aside five minutes to pray is not minuscule. It is not, do not despise small beginnings, right? It's not, in, it's not insignificant that we would pray for five minutes or 10 minutes a day. If I can start you praying 10 minutes a day and just say, pray for 10 minutes a day for the entire month of November and walk through this prayer, uh, this prayer pathway that's based on, the, on how Jesus taught us to pray, I believe that that will change, radically change your prayer life. 10 minutes a day. Because the distance and depth that you will go in 10 minutes after 30 days is, is so, it's so fun to imagine where you would go of like 10 minutes. I barely feel, felt like I made it anywhere. We'll do it again tomorrow. And guess what? In 10 minutes, you're going to make it a little bit further. And do it again tomorrow. And in 10 minutes, you're going to make it a little bit further. That your prayer life would begin to grow and expand within those moments that you give to the Lord. And I believe, and I'm praying for you all of us, that we would grow such an appetite for prayer, that we would get a taste of prayer, that it would naturally expand to more and more and more of a pattern and a regularity in our life, that attentive meeting would be put up in our lives to be face-to-face with God. So here's what I want to do this morning. If you've already prayed through the prayer stations and you've done this uh, practice, that's rad, good for you, you can do it again. Something else that is profoundly important is that these are community prayers that are being shared. And maybe you've gone through the prayer stations already on a Thursday night or a Sunday morning. There is something powerful to stand with people within your community and just read those prayers and agree with them in prayer if, you, if you've already done the, the, you've already put your prayer on the board. But guess what? You can do multiple prayers on every board. We are, we're just expecting that these boards are full of a, a heart and a church that are praying and putting these things before the Lord. Um, so for the next 20, 25 minutes, uh, we are going to turn on some music in here and we are going to pray through these prayer stations. There is uh, sticky notes there for you. There's uh, Sharpies there for you. It's very self-explanatory. 
At the end, we're going to have communion out for you here that we would go through the prayer stations and that you would be able to finish with a time of communion. This is the last part of the Lord's Prayer.